of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So sometimes we can hear a homily and we could say, man, I really wish so-and-so would hear this or so-and-so really struggles with this. So right now I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, this homily is for me, it's not for you. Go ahead. Okay, very good. Now I want you to say, although this homily is for me and not for you, pay attention because you can learn a few things. Go ahead. Okay, perfect. Now we're on the same page. Alexander the Great was one of the biggest rulers in ancient history. Although being the king of ancient Macedonia for less than 13 years, he changed the course of history. After conquering hundreds of kingdoms and on his way home one day, he fell really ill, seriously, on the way home. And while lying on his, on his deathbed, Alexander the Great summoned his generals. He called all his generals near him and he said, I have three final requests as I'm here dying. These are my final three requests. My first request, he said, before I die on his deathbed, he said, number one, the best doctors should carry my coffin to the gravesite. This was his quote as to why he made this request. I want the best doctors to carry my coffin to demonstrate that in the face of death, even the best doctors in the world have no power to save. His second request, that his wealth that he had accumulated, right, he's a king. All his wealth that he had accumulated, money, gold, precious stones, whatever it may be, he said this, should be scattered along the procession to the cemetery as we're walking by. So as they went from one area and walked to the cemetery, because that's what they used to do back in the day, he said, I want all my possessions, all my money, all my gold, all my precious stones, I want them scattered on the floor on the way to my procession, to the gravesite. And this was his quote, I want the road to be covered with my treasures so that everybody sees that material wealth acquired on earth stays on earth. That's his second request. And his final request, he said, this is my final request. I want my hands, his hands should be let loose, hanging outside the coffin for all to see. So to the right and to the left, when he is in his coffin, make two holes. And I want my hands to be hanging as you're moving me from, as we're processing to my gravesite. And this was his quote. I want my hands to swing in the wind so that people understand that we come to this world empty-handed and we leave this world empty-handed. Embrace Jesus now before it's too late. So these were his three requests. And brothers and sisters, he died at age 32. Imagine the wisdom. This man, for 32 years, he had power, he had money, he had, he had material goods, he had everything. He conquered kingdoms. He was a king and died at age 32. And today he's known not as just Alexander, Saint Alexander. He's known as Saint Alexander the Great. Why was he great? Why was that last part of his name? That's not his last name. Why was that great part added to the last, to his name as a saint today? And the reason is that was added as him being great is because he knew, he knew money, possessions, assets, material, security could not save him. He knew that only God himself can save me. 
The rich man in today's gospel, he thought the complete opposite. The rich man in today's gospel thought that money, security, wealth, assets, possessions could save him. And we know his final destination, brothers and sisters. His final destination, where he ended up, unfortunately, in hell. He ended up in hell. For all of eternity, he spent now in hell remembering money, assets, possessions, assets, totals, whatever it may be, none of it could save me. What a, what a foolish way I lived my life for all those years. We, know, we don't know how old he is when he passed away. What a foolish way that I thought these things could save me. Unlike Alexander the Great, who thought the complete opposite. It's important to name the reason why he died, right? This, why he died and went to hell. We're not told exactly, if you think about it, we're not told exactly why he passed, why, what, he, what he went to hell for. We're told he's a rich man, he's clothed in purple garments, which is a sign of wealth, that he, he dined and, 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 and was entertained every day and lived this light, nice and beautiful, somewhat luxurious lifestyle. But we should name what is it that he went to hell for. What is that rooted in? Because these are external components. But what's happening internally within this man who died and went to hell? It's good to name it. It's important to name it again because he wants and wish somebody had warned him. And people were warning him. Right? Abraham says, you were warned. Moses and the prophets, you knew the scripture verses. You were warned. And he says... I want you to go and now warn my brothers. Go and warn my brothers not to live like me. But what was it that he was living as? What, was, what is this word? What is this, this component that sent him to hell? What is it? And I would say what it is and what it's rooted in is that he went to hell because of greed. When we define greed, right, the Bible doesn't say that he went to hell for greed, but when we define greed, what is greed? Greed is, I think, money, possessions, material goods, assets can save me. I bow down, whether I know it or not, because we're bowing down thinking I need to accumulate material goods, things, possessions, wealth, assets, because that's my securities in that. That's going to save me. That's what greed is. We need to look at it from the perspective of why this man passed away. And brothers and sisters, again, we see where his destination led him. Right? Again, greed, thinking that security, wealth, possessions can save me. And brothers and sisters, for all of us, we have to consider this our warning. Greed will send us to hell. That's our warning. That's a warning for me as a priest. That's a warning for all of us about this greed, which runs really deep, not only in our community as Chaldeans, but it runs deep in humanity. It runs really deep in humanity. Why? Hell on earth. So not only I have to wait until I get to hell, right, this afterlife, but right now, what is hell? Hell is the absence of God. 
And the person who's greedy, they can come to Mass every single Sunday, they can pray every day, they can pray the Rosary, they can do the Divine Mercy Chaplet, they can do all these things. But the person that is greedy is experiencing a hell on earth, which is the absence of God. There's no way that somebody is not experiencing hell on earth, this absence of God who is greedy. Because it's the opposite of who Jesus is. I can proclaim in my creed, Jesus, you're my Lord, you're my Savior, the Our Father prayer, do all these prayers. But a greedy person is opposite of Jesus, so let's not fool ourselves. The opposite person is not living as if Jesus is living. Because the opposite of greed would be generosity. And that, brothers and sisters, on the cross is the ultimate definition of generosity. The ultimate definition of generosity. So we have to stop fooling ourselves. We have to stop fooling ourselves and thinking, I'm a follower of Jesus. That I'm not greedy. And then hell in the afterlife as well. So we're experiencing this hell. If we want to know what, what does hell feel like after I pass away, some of us are already experiencing that right now. I'm living as if hell on earth is the absence of God. That this greed is really driving my life. I think money, possessions, wealth, assets can save me. My security is in my wealth, my assets, my possessions, and not in God. That I bow down to wealth, to money, to assets, even though I proclaim and pretend I'm really bowing down to Jesus. That's what hell feels like. St. Paul, if we were paying attention today, wrote a letter to the Corinthians. This is his second letter to the Corinthians. Corinthian, Corinth is in Greece. So he's not with them and he's writing them a letter. What's interesting, he says this. He starts off his letter with saying, I am ready to come to you a third time. Basically, you didn't get it the first time I visited you. The second time, you didn't get it. Now I'm ready to come to you a third time. You're not getting it. You're not understanding. Consider this your warning. I'm coming to you a third time. For I fear that when I come, I may find you not such as I wish, that there may be disorder. I fear that when I come again, I may have to mourn over many of those who sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, immorality, and licentiousness they have practiced. Basically, wake up. Us too, wake up. Brian, wake up. Wake up. Because when we stand in front of God, we can't say, I didn't hear that. I didn't know. It's a warning. For every single person. One of the biggest excuses I hear from people, right, how we mask this greed. We mask it. We put a, we put a little bow around greed, right? You could put a bow around a pig and still, it's a pig. No matter what it is, it's still a pig at the end of the day, even though it looks cute. We can do the same exact thing. This pig, which is greed, we could put a bow around it and we can even convince ourselves, I'm not greedy. Father, that doesn't apply to me. I don't have millions of dollars and I don't do this. And I don't, none of that matters. But that does not matter. But one of the biggest excuses I hear and how we mask this, and this is how the enemy works, how he masks it is this is what I hear often. Father, I'm not greedy. Right, Father, everything that I own, all my possessions, all my assets, my businesses, my wealth, it's, it's, it's not for me, Father. It's for my family. Father, I, I work crazy hours. I own all these businesses. I continue to be a slave to work and money and possessions. And, no, 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 but it's not for me. It's for my family, Father. I want them to be comfortable. I don't want them to have to suffer. 
It's lies, brothers and sisters. These are lies and excuses. It's all for them. It's all for them. This excuse, which is rooted in greed, is breeding a generation of greedy children who are entitled to get what I want when I want it. When we have this mentality, let's say, for example, that is my intention. My intention is I'm working these crazy hours. I have all these businesses, all these assets, all these possessions. But what is it doing? We are just breeding a generation of greedy people. We are breeding a generation of soft children who don't know how to struggle, how to suffer or work and earn anything. If this is my mentality, that this is all for them, we're doing them a disadvantage, a major disadvantage, because this is leading them to be greedy. We don't want them to suffer. If I want, that's a good intention. I don't want my kids to suffer. I don't want my family to suffer. I want them to, that's a decent, that's a decent intention, but it's not a good intention. At the end of the day, it's not, it's rooted in greed. Is because if we're breeding a generation of fear of having them to suffer, we're doing them a disadvantage, a major disadvantage. We're breeding a generation of children who don't know the value of things or people, like the rich man in today's gospel. He could care less about Lazarus. Why? It's because his greed blinded him. We're teaching. This is the generation. We're teaching our children and breeding a generation. I don't care about things. Or people. That's what greed does. In today's gospel, we're breeding this generation of children who instant they want, what they want is an instant gratification. Right? When here you go, here you go, this is what you can have, this is what you can have. I want my family to be comfortable, I don't want them to be left out, and I want to have stuff and assets and material things for them. We're breeding a generation who wants instant gratification. And when we get something instantly, there's no value to it. You want this, you can have it. You want that, you can have it. It's the problem with this gratification, again, there's no value. I didn't have to earn it. I didn't have to work for it. I was just given to me. And so it's disposable very quickly, and we can do the same exact thing, not only with things, but with people. Rather than instant gratification, if they have to work for it, if they have to actually earn it, if they have to suffer a little bit and not have it handed to them, I'll value it more. I'll appreciate it more. And I'll appreciate people because I can now sympathize with them. I didn't grow up getting whatever I wanted, whatever I wanted. I didn't grow up in a greedy household. But I keep hearing this. I don't want my kids to suffer. Let them suffer. It's okay. It's okay. It's better they suffer. It's better we suffer and not have things if it's rooted in greed. It's better. A butterfly, guy saw a butterfly one time, and it was not a butterfly yet, it was still in the cocoon. And it was struggling really hard to get out, and he was just looking at it, and he was seeing how like this butterfly wanted to come out of the cocoon, but it just couldn't. The more it struggled, and the more it moved, and it just wasn't moving. And so what did he do? He just took a scissor, and he started to cut the cocoon. And now the butterfly was able to come out, but guess what? It couldn't fly. It's through that struggle... Through that work, through earning his wings, that he was able to fly. That's the same for our generation. This is the same for our children. 
We're doing them such a disadvantage. It's unbelievable. We are breeding a generation of greed. It's so ugly. And it's not Christian. So as more, as, more and more as we hear, I just don't want them to suffer. I just don't want to have to do this. I don't want to have to do that. I don't know, guys. This is serious. Right, our kids, and just us. We don't need all the name brands, the big house to live in, money in the bank, assets in the future. They need a father and mother, brothers and sisters, who are present. That's what our kids need. Father and mother that are present. Physically present. Not just on our phones and I'm on this social media and this kid's over here and this kid's over there and this kid's crying and this and that. Physically present, mentally present, psychologically present. And most importantly, spiritually present. That's what our children need. They don't need an absent father or mother who are working crazy hours and constantly getting whatever it is that they want whenever they want to. If we want to know what our kids need, they don't need the possessions. They don't need the assets. They don't need money in the bank so they don't have to suffer. Because they're suffering now with absence of parents. 90% of men and women in jail today are missing this particular person in their lives, which is the father. Fathers, I'm a father too. We set the tone in our family. We set the tone of we bow down, because we show them by our actions, we bow down to the dollar. We bow down to possessions. We bow down to assets and material goods. We show them by how present we are that that's not what we bow down to. We set the tone in the family. Or we bow down to God. Can't be both. It doesn't work. Let's not be fooled. Before it's too late, we stand in front of God and he says, you fooled yourself for many years. You thought you did. And you fooled people around you, but you can't fool me. I know in the depths of your heart, my heart, it's greed. You thought it could save you, now here you are. It doesn't work. So how do we overcome this greed? This is the final thing. How do we overcome this? Right? It's, it's easy to just say, don't, don't be greedy. Just stop being greedy. That doesn't work. We have to look at the opposite. How do we stand in front of God at our judgment day and God says, welcome home. You were generous. And I would say that the answer is that we should live our lives as stewards rather than owners. An owner is, this is my money. These are my possessions. This is my house. These are my assets. That's greed. And it can send us to hell. Instead, we live our lives as stewards. A steward basically is the complete opposite. A steward realizes that everything I have is a gift from God. Everything that I have, God, is a gift from you. I, ha I did nothing to earn this, God. Absolutely nothing. The money I have in the bank, the house, the assets, the possessions, I did nothing to earn it. It's yours. And if it's yours, God, you can do what you want with it. I'll help the Lazaruses in my life. God, then, when we're living our lives as stewards, real stewards, not just saying it, God, this is yours, and you can do what you want with it, then I can stand in front of God on Judgment Day, and God will say, you were generous. You're not going to hell because of greed. But we live our lives as owners. This is mine. I do what I want with this. These are my possessions, my assets. I think they could save me throughout my life. And now, God says that's not the case. 
That's the complete opposite. Again, the man in today's gospel didn't live his life as a steward. He lived as lo- his life as the owner. And how we know that he lived his life as an owner rather than a steward is because he couldn't even see the needs of Lazarus in front of him. And that's sad. That's a really, really sad way to live. That's complete slavery. And we proclaim, Jesus, you are my Lord, you're my Savior. I'm no longer a slave, a lot of us, in this church right now, maybe myself included, you don't know what I struggle with, are enslaved to greed. So brothers and sisters, we sit here now, we ask the Lord to open up our hearts and our minds, and today we make a commitment, Lord, everything is yours. I'm a steward and not the owner, because without you, I have nothing. Amen?